Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 42 for the week of March the 1st, 2018. How are you, Adam? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing... I'm tired. But it's <laughs> a good... You've it's been a, busy. It's a good tired, though, you know? I'm uh, just a little, little side project here. I'm building a uh, studio in my basement, so uh, we're going to get to record some of these podcasts in there and they'll have a really sweet sound to them when, when we do. So we need something. <laughs> any edge we can get, dude, we're going to go for it, right? Yeah. But I'm excited. We've got three movies tonight. It's a big episode. It's a big episode for us and I'm excited, man. We're, and the Oscars this weekend, even though I'm having a hard time getting any traction for the Oscars. You mean in personal excitement? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big awards guy. <laughs> I mean, I'll probably have it on in the background while I'm doing something else, you know, but I don't know. But we have some great movies. How are you doing? What's your week been like? It's been busy. I've been looking forward to the weekend, and the the weather's taking a turn. We had temperatures close to 60 today, and just driving here tonight, it's freezing rain and snow and wind. Crazy wind. Well, it, yeah, it's... Um Last week, I spent five days in Florida. Welcome back. <laughs> I know. And so it was like, you know, heaven, 85, 86 degrees, sunny, never rained. Well, we got a tiny little sprinkle once, but oh, it was awesome. Absolutely. But with the weather, there's a lot of really good stuff to watch at home. Uh, most of the award-winning nominees from this weekend are available streaming or on iTunes. I may I may be tempted to put together a list this weekend where you can watch some stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. But you don't have to go out. There's a lot of yep. good stuff to watch at home. And on the on a film coterie note as well, we're kind of in the process of ramping up some changes with our with our podcast and our webpage, and so that's going to be exciting. So I think um, as we get into March, we're going to get into some good movies. Continue the slate's just going to be great from here on out. We're going to get a lot of awesome movies ahead of us, and. Uh, some changes to the website, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited where we're headed, man. We're adding some some friends into the into the crew here with us. We have some new contributors, which yeah. I think you'll see some stuff from them in the near future. Absolutely. So I'm I'm kind of pumped, man. And I have the first film festival around the corner. Overlook will be in April, but nice. it's it's getting closer. The lineup should be announced here soon. Awesome. All right. Well, I say we jump right into our feature of the night, and that would be Red Sparrow. Anything else? Uh, after that, we got Annihilation and then Mute. We're talking about uh, a lot of movies this evening. A lot of, you got to just hang with us for the next 45 or so. It's going to be really cool. Well, hang in there. Let's listen to a little clip of Red Sparrow. Dominique Gorba. You know my name? You told me. <laughs> you stole my ID from the pool. That would be illegal. <laughs> Were you just looking for me? I'd know where to find you if I was. I'm curious. Did you want me to know that you were following me, or are you just real clumsy? The Americans always think the rest of us are so interested, and you don't do. So what made you want to become a translator? My mother is unwell. If I work for the government, the state helps me take care of her. My uncle helped me get the job. Your uncle is a very powerful man. In my country, if you don't matter to the men in power, you do not matter. Hey, uh, I'd like to see you again. Why are we going to become friends? Is that what you want? I don't have any. There's a Russian restaurant right by the opera. Have dinner with me there. Tomorrow a date. Okay. All right, the first movie we're discussing this evening is Red Sparrow. And this would be the spy flick you've seen advertised with Jennifer Lawrence, reteaming yep. with director Francis Lawrence, who did the later Hunger Games movies. Yep. He did Catching Fire, and he did both parts of Mockingjay. And it is not a Black Widow origin story. <laughs> no, it is not. Absolutely. And I think you need to have the right expectation to go in. This is a grown-up spy movie. This is spycraft in a realistic world. There are no car chases, no shootouts, no gadgets. No, and it's um, it's rated R for a reason. You it's, know, it's a brutal movie. It's not. It's not a. It's not a Mission Impossible or a James Bond. The or, world is not at stake. Yeah, there's no evil villain that's going to blow everything up. Yeah, and so there's a lot that's very intriguing going into this movie. You know, a lot. Um, I don't know anything about Red Sparrow except for I know it's a book series, and you know, um, 
Jennifer Lawrence and the trailers we've seen, and okay, this is her next film. Let's check it out, you know. Yeah, so it, like I said, it's a grown-up spy movie. And, I mean, I have to applaud it because this is part of a genre we never get. Our spy movies are either way over the top when they skew towards like the triple X style or maybe they're bond and they have high tech gadgets and stuff or the most realistic ones, I guess you'd have to say were born the born identity movies, which leave out some of the higher fantasy elements, but that's usually the range we get. When do we get a movie that is just about spy craft yeah. and, and it, agents and double yep. agents? So absolutely. I don't know that audiences are going to react to this, but I really appreciated that this attempt to make more of a, a pure genre film for, for spy movies. Yeah. And I think even our reaction coming out of the theater was kind of very mixed, you know, mixed to negative. I yeah. I'm positive. I actually like this movie, Yep. but some of the other members of our group were bored by it. Um, it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And they, they took some issue with it. So yeah. I think you should be aware of that. And you're going to see, if you look up reviews, they're, they're across the board. They're mixed as well. Yep. So um, I kind of fall in the same camp with you. I did like this movie. Um, there was a section in the middle to the end of the second act, beginning of the third act, that I just had trouble following what was really going on. Uh, I don't know if I just brained out for a minute or what, but um, I got a little confusing. But then it came right back around. Um, I, I think, you know... Looking at this, like the acting performances are pretty solid all the way around, you know. Um, I thought Jennifer Lawrence was really good. And <clears throat> we can get into some of the trappings of the film here in just a minute, but there are several times she's put into positions where you think she's going to have to go down a certain path and give in to a certain thing, and she turns that thing on its head and has control over the whole situation. And I kind of really like that, you know? Yeah, I like the character. She's introduced in an interesting way. She's a dancer. And then, he, as you've seen in the trailers, she has to become a sparrow or die. She witnessed a murder. It's like the Game of Thrones Night's Watch. You know, you yeah. either die or join the Night's Watch if you're a yep. criminal. So she's forced into this program, and then she becomes an asset, a spy to the Russian government. Right. And, you know, this is always an interesting thing in these spy tales, is that certainly having leverage over someone you can get them to do their bidding and here she's got a sick mom she needs the, the russian state government to provide medical care so that's how they have her that's how they control her that type of control is effective but you know that person's always looking a way out and this way out is probably through an american cia officer that could maybe get her to america so that's the thing and she's got different loyalties and what I liked about this movie, and it, like I said, her performance was good, but what I liked about this movie is I felt it was fairly unpredictable. I didn't really feel too strongly which way it was going, and the, there were some no things tropes, that surprised the, me. There were no big tropes at all that I can remember in the film. And, and characters behaved intelligently. I didn't feel like anyone was kind of just doing something because the script demanded it. I felt they were all reacting as if they were real people. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, there would be times where... You know, one of the agents would press the other agent for to see what they knew. And in a traditional spy movie, they would give a Hollywood answer to try to lie to them and deceive them, you know. But in this, they just, Jennifer Anderson again and again would just speak the truth. Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence. I keep saying Jennifer Aniston. Yep, Jennifer Lawrence, J Law. Yes, forgive me. Just. Hit the red button over there if, if I keep saying Aniston. But Jennifer Lawrence, she gives a great performance, and she's like, she does what her actual spy would do. She's like, she's like, okay, I'm not going to fool him, so I'm just going to maybe say the actual truth, or I'm going to, you know. And it's just really well. It's a mix for both sides. She, yeah, she tells the truth to him. She lies to her government. She tells the truth to her government. She lies to him. She plays what she needs to do at that moment. And the other thing you got to appreciate a lot of these movies. The audience may be ahead of the characters in terms of what's going on. You know, you may have already figured something out or you're waiting for the characters to catch up and figure out something you already know. That's not true in this case. Not we're, at all. We're right with them in terms of their knowledge of what's going on and trying to figure everything out. There's a hunt for a mole. And it's not like we know who the mole is right off the bat. You know, that's yeah. played. We discover it as the characters discover it. 
So I really appreciate that because this is a, a viewing experience where you have to engage. You cannot watch this movie passively. Nope, you cannot. This, this isn't is, this isn't eat your popcorn and think about work and then we catch. can't watch this at home and be on your cell phone. Yes, exactly. This, this movie does require engagement, and I appreciated that. I thought the yeah. story was pretty rewarding. And you know what? It's a book series. I knew nothing of it going in, but this movie was actually interesting enough to me that I I may check out the later books. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Adam, of some of the performances? We both thought Jennifer Lawrence was, was great. How about Joel Edgerton? Yeah, Joel is the other co-lead. He's the American CIA agent. He plays a sort of stereotypical American intelligence officer. But I'll disagree with you to a point. Okay. I wouldn't call him, stereoty- I wouldn't call him stereotypical because... A Hollywood stereotypical, he would have decided he's going to go against the grain and and you know oh ignore his commanding ignore officer his, ignore his commanding officer and 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 you know fight for justice anyway kind of and he does I mean this movie is it's a an engaging story that is played realistically that it's not going to I don't know it's just different it's written different it's paced different it's told different it's paced like a book. Books take their time telling their stories. They're not really confined to a 90-minute, two-hour window to tell you everything, and they can meander. I mean, this movie has some of it. I mean, it was obvious it came from a book to me. Even if I didn't know that walking in, I would have guessed that just from the structure and all the side stories they're telling. But like I said, all the characters behave realistically, and Joel's character, he's he's believable. I mean, I had no doubt believing that this character would would take an interest in her. And see her as a potential real asset that could be flipped, especially right. with her relation with the government and everything else. And see that, you know, if we can help her, we can help her mom. What could we get out of this? Yep. And and I like I like Jeremy Irons. I'm just a fan of his. And so he he just when he's on the screen, he just for me, I just I'm drawn to him, you know. And he plays a military commander, some yeah. higher up brass in the Russian government. Yep. I liked him. Any other performances that really stood out or anything, you know? Uh, not really off the top of my head. I mean, the movie focuses on Jennifer and Joel. Right. They're definitely the co-leads. So how about the cinematography, the way it's shot, um, some of the, some of the sets that they used and stuff? What, what were your thoughts that direction? The movie looks good. I mean, I like the cinematography. It's a, it's a world-traveling movie. They end up in a couple cities, and there are some great shots. I really like the car going to the yeah. school. And I, here's the realistic aspect of it. They end up in like three cities instead of the 12 you'd get in a Bond film yes. or a Mission Impossible film. No beaches, no time for swimming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's all work. Yeah. But, you know, you see these, you know, European destinations. And it, I thought the movie looked pretty good. No, I did too. Um, I, I think I would recommend it, you know. Now, okay, let's get into some of the things that were, I'll get into some of the things I didn't like about the movie. Now, I like the movie overall, okay, but some of the things that kind of bothered me was, one, it's brutally violent. Realistic, brutal, torture, violent. I can't think of a spy movie that's more brutal than this movie. There's blood, there's gore, there's torture. This isn't like 24 on Fox torture where... No. It just grunts and groans as he's hitting no. someone. This is violent, brutal and torture. And this is uh, not torture of just men. This is torture of women as well, too. Psychological and physical. Psychological, yes, absolutely. And so you need to know that going in. I mean, if that kind of stuff really bothers you, you need to avoid this movie, you know? Um, the, the other, and so that kind of bothered me a little bit. Not a whole lot, but I was kind of like, I don't know about this, you know? This is kind of getting right on the edge there, but it, Probably was pretty realistic, to be honest with you. Um, I would not want to be caught by the Russians and questioned. I would not either, no. The other things that bothered me was I think the story narration was a little muddled, a little confusing for me. I just have trouble following it at times. And I just thought the movie was too long. It is long. It clocks in at two hours and 20 minutes. You don't have to put everything, and I've not read the book, so I shouldn't even say this, but it felt like they tried to put everything in the book that was in the end of the movie I don't think you have to do that. You know, do it two hours and, and cut some of this out and, and pick the pace up just a little bit would have been nice. But I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it as an as an alternative. If we're going to get more movies like this. So, yeah, here's the interesting thing with the plot structure. So you see in the trailer that she's going to go to 
we'll call it, it's school four. Right. But it's Sparrow school. And, you know, that makes up kind of the first act of the movie. It's rushed. Her training is really so rushed. rushed. And other stuff in the movie kind of drags on. So if there was an adjustment to be made, it may not. It's in that first section. I think, you know, it just feels like she's in the school for two weeks. When really her training program, I imagine, was much longer in the book. Or maybe more involved. Well, and there's this, and I'm not giving away details. There's a scene where she calls it. You, she says, "You sent me away to horror school," and that's what we're talking about for brutality and, because and, they're they're yeah. deprogramming them as people and yeah. making them tools. Yes. So I mean, her first lesson, you know, people are called up to the front of the room, and, and the teacher says, "Just take your clothes off." They're put in an embarrassing situation, yeah. and it's part of that dehumanization process, right? To turn them into these tools. Yeah, and, and so. But the thing that it kind of bothered me a little bit was that we didn't see her get any other spy training whatsoever. Okay, no, I take that back. We saw her get to pick locks. Because that's important. You see her do it later in the movie. And so no other training. I mean, a little bit. And we saw him jogging once, didn't we? Yes. So I'm like, really? You're teaching them how to be sexy seductresses and seductors. But the thing of it is, this isn't a physical movie. The jogging doesn't matter. You know, the, no. this isn't Bond where he's chasing someone across the city of rooftop no. to rooftop. There's none of that in this movie. But it would have been nice to see, and maybe they don't do this, but like at least teach her hand-to-hand combat or, you know, or something that, you know, she might use down later in the film. I don't know. Right. The training stuff's way rushed, but that could have been a movie on its own. You know, a book series, the first book, it's not, but it could have been just her being recruited and training and no, maybe yeah. her first mission. This movie's a lot longer than that in terms of her own personal yeah. story. Overall, though, I, re- I I like the movie. Uh, it's not going to be for everybody. I don't think it's going to hit a big audience. It's not going to do a huge number because it's not your typical fun Friday night kind of movie, you know? It's not fun. <clears throat> no, it's not fun. But I think it's engaging. Yes. I think it rewards an audience that pays attention to it. Yes. Uh, I, like I said, I, I thought the story was surprising and, and interesting. It's a realistic spy movie, but people are going to expect something else when it comes to spy movies. They yes. want, they, I think they want the car chases and shootouts and dangling the bad guy over the edge of the building. And I got to say, I thought, I thought Jennifer Lawrence was great. I'm, I mean, I just her performance is really, really good, you know, strong in the film. So, yeah. And I gotta say, when are we going to get this again? When are we going to get another just adult spy movie that that treats the craft in a realistic way, yeah, and isn't going to pander to the audience? Well, maybe this will do enough. We'll get another. We'll get another book in this. We'll get another movie in the series. So yeah. So yeah. Overall, I think we both recommend it with some minor reservations. I mean, keep in mind we probably can't warn you enough that this movie can be hard to watch in moments, and it's it's not going to fulfill your action needs. But other than that, I think it's a solid title. Yep, me too. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into Natalie Portman's Annihilation. We have to go back. We have to go back now. She's right. I I really don't know how much more right she has to be. Okay. And I agree with you. We should go back. Good. Okay, great. There we go. Okay, so the three of us can just pack up on it. Hold on. We should go back. Yes, but it took us, what, six days to get here? And the coast is two days away. You're saying that we get out by going deeper in? Yeah, if you like, yeah. Like? No, I don't like. This isn't some tactic to get us to the lighthouse, is it? I believe that the coast is the best route out. Okay? All right, and welcome back. And our second feature for the night is a film that I saw last week while I was in Florida. And did you see it over the weekend or last week too? I saw it last Thursday. Yeah. And that is um, Alex Garland's Annihilation. And so Alex Garland um, did Ex Machina, which I loved. And so this is his second directorial uh, deal. He did some writing, wrote, uh, uh, wrote Dread and 28 Days Later and some mm-hmm. different films. And uh, this movie stars Natalie Portman, uh, Oscar Isaac, um, Jennifer Jason Leigh. It's got a good cast. Tessa Thompson. Tessa who, Thompson, who yes. Who played Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok. Absolutely. And so um, it's based on the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. And I have actually read one of the few books I've movies that books I've read a couple years ago that became a movie, you know. And I read Annihilation and... 
I'll just say this. It's just very loosely based on that. Very loosely based. Yeah. I've not read the book, but I've read enough of a synopsis of the book to know that this film takes some hard lefts away from the material. And I got to say, just right from the beginning, I'm glad it took the hard lefts because this is the, an instance where my book club read uh, Annihilation and I kind of thought, eh, meh, you know. And the book was called Unfilmable, the way it was written. I, I mean, that's up to you to decide. I haven't read it, but it would have been probably hard well, to turn Okay, let's film. just put it this way. One of the presiding themes of the first book was the use of hypnosis and consciousness, and the pace was a lot different. Um, it, this is just a, this is an adapt. This is a an idea that was adapted and um, written very well, and a, a great improvement upon the book, in my opinion. You know. Um, I got to tell you, I went into this thinking, well, you know, what about this? Will I get into this? You know, I don't know. I, I, you were actually dreading going to see this movie a little bit. Yeah, you know. And I was, I, I'm in the dark. I hadn't read the book. I liked the trailer. So I, I went in with really no preconceived notions. And, and I got to tell you, I just was blown away by this movie. I just loved this film. It had me, had my heart pounding, had me on the edge of my seat. It, it has some very philosophical uh, it's a very philosophical story about life and what it means and how we are affected by one another and and could it be that we are affected by one another more than just by personality that you know are we physically and emotionally and mentally and even maybe spiritually affected by one another and by the people we come into contact with and by the environment around us and um, you know, my, my wife is a lot more political than I am in some of these areas, but my wife is a big in proponent of toxins in the environment and how they're affecting our population now. And I know that's real controversial and stuff, but like this movie even speaks to some of that, how a change of your environment will change the world as you know it. And, you know, the, the story's real, you know, the story's real basic. Um, Natalie Portman, Portman play, and this is not giving anything away. It's all in the trailers. She plays a biologist whose husband... There's this mysterious shimmer. This thing has appeared, right? And um, caused by a meteor that hit the Earth. In Florida. In Florida, yeah. And um, and I'll, everybody, every team of scientists or, or army people, whoever they've sent into the shimmer have not ever returned. And then all of a sudden, Natalie Portman's husband returns, shows up in the kitchen, just... You know, a year later, a year later. Yeah. And he's all messed up and shaking and they got to rush him off to the army hospital. And so she makes the decision being a biologist that she's going to go with a team of all female scientists and they're going to go behind the shimmer and she's going to discover what's going on. And the world that they encounter is strange and fantastical and defies the laws of physics and um, challenges every person in their camp in a different level. Um, I know I'm going on and on about this film, but it is a great film. And, and I'm really sad, or I guess maybe I'm happy that the rest of the world's getting this on Netflix. You know, this is an American release only. And I'm thinking, man, this is a good movie. I can't believe they just didn't do it in the theaters all over the world. You know, um, I like the end of the story. Uh, I like how it's resolved. Uh, I like the, 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 how it leaves a little bit of doubt yet hints toward what maybe a second story in this could be, you know, even though I think the second story might be a little more formulaic and not as enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just loved Annihilation. I really liked the movie. It's very tense. It's got, it's got like alien kind of feel to it. Well, here's know? what I have to point out. Okay. Genre wise, this is sci-fi horror. It has some very strong horror elements. Oh, absolutely. Very tense. Creatures in the dark. And there's psychological know, horror. Yeah. And once you're in the shimmer, you'll realize things are changing. Everything's mutating. And what, this is something horrible about knowing that you may be doomed. I mean, not the thing that's happened in the movie, but you know, once you're in there, you're affected. Yeah. It may be permanent. It's changing. That kind of, that kind of horror that you're just, you're being changed into something you don't understand. Something's going on and you can't control it. <laughs> that's kind of messed up. Yeah. 
And let's talk about the bear. I want to talk about the uh, bear. Okay, let's talk about the bear. So he had a funny name during the production process. They were doing two different bears at once. Across the way, they were animating Paddington Bear in the new movie. In this editing bay, <laughs> they had this bear. Paddington was named after a nice train station. So this bear had a name. It's something like Heatherton. It was the worst train station they could think of as a joke. So you have Paddington, the nice, polite, gentle bear. <laughs> and then you have it. the Annihilation Bear, yep. who will haunt your nightmares. You've seen a little bit in the trailer. He's got a skull for a face. And the scene is the most intense scene in the whole movie. And it is just pure nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think you know, I'm not, you know, I say I'm not a fan of horror. And I've said this on this, episode, on this podcast time and time again. But if there's certain philosophical, psychological horror, I kind of dig that, you know? Uh, you know? Yeah, this, this movie questions a lot of things. And I, I mean, this is, especially the ending. I mean, the last third of this movie you're going to talk about. Dude. We're not going to get into it, but, you know, there's things that happen, questions of existence. And, I mean, it goes there, and I'm glad it does. It doesn't. It doesn't fizzle out. This is a movie that builds and builds, and the ending feels satisfying. Yes, based on what they've given yes, us. Yes, the payoff is worth it. And and what if you know? Just think about this. What if there was a high level alien species that could shoot a meteor into a planet to terraform it into what they want, and you just couldn't control it? That's t like you said. That's terrifying. You know. And that's kind of what annihilation is, you know. And the other thing there, I mean, this could just be nature. This could be nature from space, just a yes. random object. It could, it, it could be no intelligence behind it at all. Just random event. Yeah. That I, changes everything. It's such a good movie. And um, it won't be for everybody. It is in that psychological horror vein. And it's, it's, again, something you can't just watch passively. This is an engaging movie. And it rewards that viewership. You couldn't if you tried. If you're in the theater in a big screen, you, you couldn't go to sleep in this film, trust me. Lots of Inception horn sound effects. Yeah. Um, but the performances are really good. Natalie Portman stands out as unofficially the second in command. You know, this is kind of a loose command structure. In the book, you were telling me this. They don't have names. They're like the psychologist and the yeah. soldier and the, yeah. well, the, the biologist. The book is told as a series of... Artic uh, entries into her journals. Her journals are found, and it's all in all of her. And I, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but it, it, the book's just really different. Um, no names are given. They're just called, like you said, they're called by their title only. Um, the story's a little different. It's, you know, it's kind of like they go to a farmhouse in the book. They go to the farmhouse in Annihilation. And totally different stuff happens. They go to a lighthouse. They go to a lighthouse. Totally different stuff happens, you know. So it's keeping just a very loose structure of the book. Um, but I, I got to give it to this Alex Garland. I, I'm going to be on down. I'm down for whatever he's coming up oh, with yeah. next. Oh, yeah. I liked what he's written, too. I really like Dread, how, how much of a contained story that was, but it felt perfect in the Dread universe. Well, and to see him take... Annihilation and adapt it like difficult this. material, difficult and just really nail it, man. I tell you, I, it's 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 great. It's a good movie, man. It, it's now, it's going right into my best of 2018. Yeah, list. Oh, without a doubt, the the characters are paper thin in this, but I think that's okay because we don't we don't need to know all of their backstories. We know the most about Natalie Portman, obviously. They don't need depth because it's it's the journey that matters here. And it's not a personal journey. It's a physical journey. They got to get from A to B. So I don't think the film needs to waste any time on their backstories. We don't need to know that someone was a pharmacist or, or whatever. I mean, so right. the, don't expect a lot of character work here. It's really a journey movie. Now, I wish I could spoil it, but I'm not going to. But I will say this. This is not a spoiler. The way they ended the book, I wish they would end the movie that way. Okay. Because I think it it would lend to a much better sequel, and I don't know that I don't feel that the movie's designed for a sequel. Yeah, and the book was. I mean, the book was yeah. part of a trilogy. Yeah, I think this movie is good, one and done, and I I don't think it does any real a little bit of sequel setup, but it's not obvious. This movie's fine as a standalone. No, yeah, 
I think it ends at the right time. It's a good yep. scene to end on in the yep. movie. Yep, absolutely. So, um, uh, the look of the movie. So let's talk oh, about Inside yes. the Shimmer. It's yeah. it's really pretty, and it has a lot of refracted light. So there's lots of lens flare. There's lots of greenery. This isn't a this apocalyptic brown earth palette that they're playing no, with. This not is at all. green and lush. And it, it plays in a swamp, and the swamp is the perfect place for this movie because what better example of the life-death cycle is there than a swamp? Decay, le- 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 like going to life, you going to decay, to life, decay. So this is very green and colorful and lots of plants and some strange animals. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like how you use the word refracted light because that's kind of a theme of the shimmer, you know. Um, and how that refraction kind of really affects everything on all those levels. Um, And I also liked how that nature was interacting with the the biologies were all crossing, you know, bio life, life was interacting and mutating. I mean, in a real, in a real weird and believable way. I mean, it was, it was, it's, if I and I don't want to spoil anything, but if I was to describe how this mutation was occurring, you'd think that's just stupid or ridiculous or whatever. But no, it's done in a very believable way, you know. Well, life is built on building blocks, so you know you have instructions for how things are built. It's all genetics and DNA. If that's altered, things go crazy, right? And I know I'm not a scientist, but I, I've studied some about evolution and and, and 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 mutation and some of that and. You know, there's a lot of arguments on both sides as far as what, how far something can mutate or evolve and all this stuff. And, and a lot of it, I had my chemistry professor tell me that he struggles even with evolution sometimes because of the energy it takes, the physical energy it takes, the heat and whatever he described it for something to macro evolve and transform and mutate. Well, you have a meteor that hits a planet. Okay, let's just say you know this chemistry professor was somewhat accurate in his his. You have a inner, you have a meteor that hits a planet that's radiating all this energy. Now you're in a scenario where you believe all kinds of crazy mutations can happen, you know, and that's what annihilation pulls off. Yeah, it was a home run for me. Um, I think I can say this is the best movie I've seen in theaters in 2018. Granted, we're early; we're in the first quarter. But there's no competition yet in my mind. Yeah. And I think this will, this is going to be in my top list. I can't say it's going to be top 10 because who knows what this year has in store. But I I feel like this is a movie I'm going to enjoy again and again. Not that you'd watch it all the time, but I want to see it again. I want to go back and see it again just to see what I missed. Yeah. I think it rewards repeat viewing. Yeah. I'm looking at my top three. I have three movies in the best of list and it's number one right now. Without a doubt, so yeah. Um, I think that's any it. nitpicks. I mean, we it's all positive on this movie. I'm trying to think. I have one. I remember now. Okay. I felt, and this just may be me. The pacing feels a little bit off for the first part of this movie. Yes, it's fine once they get to the journey, but it, it feels like they act spin w- there. Yeah, that act that if it's even Act One, which I don't, know, I don't know if you call it prologue. Act One. The prologue is too long. They turned the prologue and turned it into Act One and made it a four-act structure. Yeah, you're waiting for them to take off and go on this journey. So, I mean, this is a movie where we don't need a lot of back material. And a lot of it, I mean, in my mind, you could almost just start on the journey and maybe catch up with some flashbacks every now and then. Right. So it felt a little long at me, long at first for me, just waiting for them to start on the journey. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But other than that, other it's than a that, great it's great. It's a yeah. great, yeah, absolutely. Other than that, it's a great film, so... All right, that's going to wrap it up for Annihilation. When we come back, we have one more film. We're going to get into Mute or Moot. Mute. Mute or Moot. Mute. Mute. By Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones, man. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music.
right, we're back. Our last movie of the evening is the newest movie on Netflix. It's called Mute. M-U-T-E. As if you cannot talk. It's about an Amish bartender. Roger looks a little mute right now. He's signaling at me. <laughs> It'd be hard to do a podcast if you're... You know, yeah, Penn and Teller don't work on a podcast. No, it does not. But it's a new Netflix movie. It's from Duncan Jones. If you recognize the name, he gave us Moon, Source Code, Love Warcraft. Moon. Yeah. And now Mute. Yep. And Warcraft this, I was not so high on. And then Source Code didn't quite work. We can agree we both liked Moon. Yes. This movie, Mute, is a not a sequel to Moon, but it's set in the same universe. Mm-hmm. You may or may not see Sam Rockwell reprise, reprise his role as Sam Bell. If you're watching carefully, you will. Spoiler alert. Uh, and it's in futuristic Berlin. I didn't catch what year this is. It's it's slightly Blade Runner-esque. Yeah. There are flying cars. There's lots of neon. And pollution looks like it's out of control. So let's just call it Blade Runner. But it's a movie that really focuses on two different narratives that eventually bridge together. <coughs> on one end, we have... Okay. Alexander Skarsgård playing the mute Amish, Amish bartender. Amish mute bartender. Three words I've never used in a sentence together. He was injured as a child. His vocal cords were cut. And because of his religious beliefs, his parents did not give him a surgery that could fix his voice box. So he's still Amish, roughly. He's not engaged with technology, despite living in the middle of Berlin, futuristic Berlin. And he's fallen in love with a waitress. He's in a relationship with this waitress who's looking to get out of town. Right. She goes missing and starts his journey of looking for her in a low-tech way. Yep. He's going through phone books, it feels like, and and just learning how to use a cell phone and, and some other ways. Now, the other end of the story is much more interesting. That's where you have Paul Rudd and you have Justin Thoreau playing two doctors that are stuck in Berlin after some kind of war. Yeah. And Paul Rudd's character, at least, is trying to get the correct visa or paperwork or passport to get back to America. Right. He's wanted for various reasons. I don't think they actually really go into. They don't. That I can remember. But this is a great role for Paul Rudd. He plays Cactus Bill. And he's both funny, charming, slimy, and menacing. He gets to fluctuate between all these roles. And this is, this is a role you've never seen Paul Rudd do before. But he's he's very magnetic when you watch I mean, him in this role. Can we talk about the mustache just to start out with? And an incredible handlebar mustache. I mean that sucker. It just. And did he did he wear prosthetics on his face at all? Nose. <laughs> I mean I didn't hardly recognize him. That handlebar mustache is just out there incredible. And Justin Thoreau, if you've seen Leftovers, he's the main character from that. He's unrecognizable in a shaggy blonde wig. Yeah. You wouldn't know it was him. No, I didn't either. I didn't, you know. Yeah, I yeah, totally totally missed it. So. so these two characters feel, and I think it's inspired by MASH, they're doctors that are working for underground crime syndicates. They're stitching people up, and they have funny back-and-forth banter. Right. They have a relationship where they call each other babe. Um, it's not really clear if they're actually in a relationship, uh, but they're they're funny, and it. Like I said, I think it's actually inspired by from some of the doctors from MASH. Yeah. But there's a dark element to this movie. These are not good oh people. Even the doctors are bad people. Yes. So these are the two narratives that are going on, and they, they meet in the end. Well, Paul Rudd is not going to win Dad of the Year. No. He's got a little girl. <laughs> yeah, who he drags around with his best friend to a brothel all the time. Uh, strippers watch this girl, and prostitutes yeah. watch the girl pretty regularly. They're the babysitters. Which... You know, I'd have no issue with if they were like at his house, but not at the brothel. And this is not the at the he's not, working. And these are the crime oh elements gosh. that he's working with. Now, this film has floated around for a while. I believe it was written 16 years ago and never found a home in a studio. It had a very troubled production. I mean, no production, period. And then Netflix does what Netflix does, and they threw money at it. Wrote a check. What the heck? No oversight that we can tell. You know, and we none of us have been involved in the Netflix process, but just hearing stories, they, they're hands off. You know, they, they write you a yeah. check and say, go make the movie. Yeah, yeah. There's no notes. There's no real studio involvement. There's no studio head saying this movie's not going to sell because Netflix doesn't care about ticket sales. 
And it shows in this movie that there is no oversight, I think. It's a big hot mess. It really is. Oh, my gosh. Where, where do we begin? I, I mean, the premise is interesting, but you have two different movies. Okay, make a movie about the Amish mute bartender that's trying to win the girl and have a little bit of a criminal element story. That's the noir part. Yeah, and have a noir kind of a deal. Or just make a, a buddy a buddy doctor movie, I guess, for lack of a better term. Slash Casablanca. Yeah, These guys want to get out of trying town. Trying to get out of town movie, you know? And they like throw these together. And there's all these ideas and stuff. And the subject matters in this movie are really tough for me to, to get through. I mean, there's some, just some unforgivable stuff in this movie. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's something a studio might have helped with. Sometimes studios ruin a movie. They overcook them. They may be death by studio notes. They really try to get it to a mainstream audience and they may kill a movie. It could have helped in this in this instance because and this movie was written 16 years ago and maybe he thought it went together like Pulp Fiction where you could have these different storylines going on and you're engaged throughout. This is not Pulp Fiction, though. It is not Pulp Fiction. And the, the real problem here is that when you watch this film, I don't think you're going to be involved with the mute bartender storyline. It's not that interesting. And it it just isn't. I mean, if that was the standalone movie, you wouldn't be interested in yeah. it. Yeah. The interesting stuff all comes from the Paul Rudd side of the movie. No, I I agree. And um and then do we do get into spoilers and talk about the content that's really yeah, objectionable? We have to. It's Netflix. You know. So here's the thing that I think it's already a conversation online from what I've seen because I've searched. And all the reviews mentioned it. I read Drew McWheeney's interview review over at Tracking Board. So Justin Theroux's character is a pedophile. It comes out, it's dealt with, but it's not dealt with in the way that the audience is going to want. It no. feels cheap. Yeah, It feels like the movie is not really going to engage in the material and they give the character a pass. And in today's world, or not even in today's world, but in the climate of today's world, that's just completely unacceptable. Now, it's completely unacceptable anytime. But it's just, I mean, you, he threatens to beat the guy. He beats the guy up and then threatens him to within an inch of his life. And then a minute later, they're friends and hugging. Same scene. Same scene. Friends and hugging again. And it's not addressed between them again, really. Oh, and it's it, not like he did one bad thing in the past. This is who his character is. And Paul Rudd's character is a daughter, and he's worried about it in the one scene, but then he's okay with it. Like his buddy did one wrong he thing He has in the past. a daughter, and he, and he gives this guy... Here's what gets me. Paul Rudd's character is played all through this movie to this point where he'd pull that knife on you and kill you just in a heartbeat. He ain't going to bat twice about it with anybody else. He'd go pull the knife out and just end you. And he finds out one of the most heinous, horrific things. And he says, well, I'm just going to beat you up a little bit. And then we're going to hug and be friends. It's it's a bad scene. And it... And we talked about this a little bit with Three Billboards, whether or not a movie gives a character a pass or a redeeming arc. There's no redeeming arcs for the Doctors in this story. But at the same time, I feel like the movie doesn't go where it should to address the issue. And it, it does just give this character a pass. Like, well, that's just part of his character trait. We don't really need to worry about that anymore. This subject matter is yeah. unforgivable for an audience. It's not like a murder, right? A character can murder someone. Think about Jamie Lannister. Yeah. He pushes a child out the window. Episode one of Game yeah. of Thrones. No, yeah. But you learn to like that character. You know, even murder or, or harm to a child is something that we can accept later on with character work. No, This yeah. pedophilia, we're, you're just never going to get over. It's not, in a story sense, something you can get past easily or, yeah, yeah. or through character growth. And Alex Skarsgård, the Amish mute, you know, if you're going to play a mute, then you got to be able to really act with your eyes and your body language and your posture and all we get is wide eyes, a few tears, and his eyes shaking. He looks like he's playing charades sometimes. Yeah, and it's really bad. I mean, especially it's just, if you compare it to Sally Hawkins from Shape of Water. Well, I was going to go there. You beat me to the punch, my friend, because that was the point I was going to bring up as well. Too is that if you want to see a real mute character, go see Shape of Water. Yeah, because Sally Hawkins is just great and should win Best Actress this Sunday night. Now. If you get up in arms about stereotypes, don't you feel this might be a little stereotypical that the Amish guy not only woodworks, 
he ends up beating up bad guys with a bedpost that he carved. Walking tall, kinda, baby. Yeah. Bringing back the walking tall beating stick. <laughs> An Amish bedpost <laughs> with seahorses on it. <laughs> it was just downright ridiculous. I love it. But not in a good way. No, it was bad. So here's the thing with Duncan Jones. I think he's very talented. But, you know, his best work was Moon. And, you know, it, it, I haven't seen anything on that level since then. This was a passion project of his. Uh, one critic I really like said, you know, you're not the same person you were 16 years ago when you wrote something. And these passion projects, you got to take a hard look at them and maybe rewrite them. I mean, I think he could have had a good movie with the two doctors. Take out the pedophilia angle, have the two doctors, these characters. Yeah. Like, this is a yes. great performance from Paul Rudd. Yes. We've never seen anything like... Take out like, the Amish guy. Lose that. You don't even care about that part. The missing girl doesn't matter in this story. I promise you won't care about what happened to the waitress. But there is an interesting cyberpunk story yep. with these two doctors. And I especially agree. with Paul Rudd's character. It's there. It just... He couldn't see it. Yeah. Uh, it looks good for a Netflix movie. There's some really good CG in this. And there's also some not-so-good CG. Yeah, the sets are good. They're very neon, Berlin. Yep, very Blade Runner esque at yeah. times. Yeah, you could tell what inspired him. You know, he wanted to take some of that world and make his own story from it. You know, but here's the thing too. This is a knock I've seen too. The future does not matter in this movie. This movie could have been set in the present, and and been the same. Like where Blade Runner it matters because of replicants and everything else. <coughs> And this movie doesn't really matter so much. It's just dressing. The only, the only need for the only time you get a reference to why it's important is with the one doctor who's able to recreate legs and actually, you know, heal these kids and that kind of thing. You know, but we're getting there with prosthetics now. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so it really wasn't. It's just a bad movie. I, I mean, I don't. I, I hate to sit and just beat a dead horse here, but. It's just, uh, it was just bad all the way around. So we still have a wide range with Netflix. A Netflix original, we don't know what that means yet. It can mean Annihilation. It can mean Mudbound. Yeah, which were both amazing. Or, I mean, the very worst Netflix original I've seen is a horror movie called Open House. Mute is, is better than that. But we're seeing some also, I mean, look at Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, bad. You know, we don't... That's the thing. With movies, we used to go to the video store. If something was in theaters, you know, it would be a certain quality level. There were also those direct-to-video sequels at Blockbuster that you saw where you had an expectation going in. Right. So right now, I don't know where we have for an expectation level for Netflix originals. So it's a wide range. And that's that's a good thing. But there's also, (laughs) without oversight, you can get some pretty wonky products. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our discussion on Mute. Uh, Let's take a quick break and come back, and we'll kind of get into our closing credits here and talk about what's coming up and maybe promo a couple things and, you know, and bring this thing to an end. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll be right back after the music. We're back, and this is kind of our closing credits segment. Uh, Adam, what do we got to look forward to? What's happening? And, uh, you know, we have a very loaded March. Yes, we do. I don't know what we're seeing next week. It's going to be a surprise. We thought we were going to see Hurricane Heist with Blu ray Bob, but he is unavailable. Yeah, he kind of backed out on us there. It's not a bad thing. Now we don't have to see Hurricane Heist. So we'll have to see. We're going to find something. We oh, got, yeah. I mean, March is just. Stacked. Hey, it's Thursday night's going to roll around. We're going to go to the movies. And we didn't do this on top of the show, but Avengers just moved up a week. It's moved from the first week of April of May to the last week of April. So now it's coming out a week earlier. (coughs) That gives it more time between it and Star Wars, which I think Disney wanted. Nice. I I like it. Uh, If you've been to our website recently, you've seen that I've reviewed November. November was a small film from Estonia. 
that was submitted by them as their best foreign picture nominee. It wasn't picked in the final list, but it was submitted and I had the chance to check it out. It's a folklore romance period piece with a lot of strange elements. It's it's shot beautifully in black and white. It looks really cool. I like this movie a lot. I'm a sucker for folklore. I like weird monsters and weird legends. Looked really cool in the, the, the bits I saw. And I did not know anything about Estonia. They, they had this belief that farmers could sell their soul to the devil to get a crat. A crat was a golem built out of your tools that would do your chores for you. Right. But everything has a cost with the devil. And if your crat ever ran out of work to do, it would come and kill you. So you had to keep your crat busy all the time. And I, it's only open right now in New York and L.A. Hopefully it'll be on VOD soon. But I highly recommend November. And you can check out my review on our website. Awesome. Well, speaking of reviews, I have dusted off and rev- and revised my personal blog, which is faithinfilm.blog. And uh, on that site, I, I just kind of do one-minute reviews of movies that are in the theaters. And I always look for, I rate the film, what I think of it as a movie. And then I mention if it has any kind of elements of faith or spirituality or something that might be a little bit beyond just the traditional film. So uh, that's faithinfilm.blog. Uh, if you get a chance, check it out. Uh, where else, Adam, can they find us on social media? Uh, the easiest place is always Facebook. We're on facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. We have an active page there. You can always holler at us on Twitter with at filmcoterie. Same hashtag on Instagram, at filmcoterie again. And we are on Vero. Yes. What is Vero? We don't know yet. It's a brand new social media, uh, barely weeks old. And our handle on there is at Film Coterie. So if you're on Vero, check us out. Look us up and be one of our first followers. Awesome. That's going to do it for this week. You've been listening to the Film Coterie. We'll see you guys next time. Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 42 for the week of March the 1st, 2018. On this week's episode, Jennifer, Jennifer, what's her name? Lawrence? Lawrence. I started to say Jennifer Aniston. Yes. No, not friends. No, let's start over. Hunger Games. I think we should start over. <laughs> All right, let's just, we can just leave it in. Let's start over. Okay, let's start over. We've-